Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as Mark Lemon Official on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I speak with dad, campaigner and broadcaster Steve Bland. Steve speaks with me about the death of his wife and how it shaped his outlook on life. You can find Steve on Instagram, Twitter, and on award-winning podcast, You, Me, and The Big C. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so as mentioned in my introduction, today I'm speaking with someone that I followed over the last couple of years and they're hugely inspirational in the way that they have told their own grief story and shared it so publicly. And um, it's Steve Bland. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Mark. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, like we were just talking uh, off mic, um, <laughs> the good thing about these things is that my wife and kids have just gone out last minute after doing a bit of um they're still doing some sort of read on wednesdays they call it at school so it's kind of like a catch-up thing um so they've quickly done that and then they've just legged it out of the house so we can do this yeah i'm actually up in um up in cumbria i've got a little sort of a, a little bolt hole up here so i've i've packed my parents off with freddie to the castle that's just down the road so yes yeah, so i'm home alone as well so perfect for the listeners and those that might not know who you are would you be able to just introduce yourself please uh, yeah, so I'm I'm Steve Bland. Um, I I I was a BBC journalist, um, and I was married to a wonderful woman called Rachel Bland, who was another BBC journalist. She was a, a broadcaster on Radio Five Live and on Five Live Drive, and and um, and occasionally on the BBC News Channel and uh, and local telly up here in the northwest. And um, uh, she uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016. Um, and and after a couple of years of of, of I was going to say ups and downs, but mostly downs, um, Rachel died in September of 2018. And and since then, I've I've tried to sort of carry on her work. She launched a podcast called You, Me and the Big C, which was all about uh, living with cancer, along with Deborah James and Laura Marne. And um, after she died, I, I joined the girls and we've tried to, as much as we can, uh, uh, carry on what Rachel started and... and um, and use the uh, the platform that she you know, she gave us uh, to you know to hopefully help people you know the same way that you know you're doing with this help people you know normalize you know what they're going through uh, talk about it and 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 so yeah the last couple of years well it's two years in September since she died the last couple of years have been spent basically talking about Rachel and talking about you know talking about what you know what I'm going th- through and what and what you know, my little boy. Uh, we've got a four-year-old called Freddie. You know what he's been going through, and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, helping a few people on the way. 
Yeah, I was wondering whether you'd be happy to take us back to after Rachel died and, and how you've found the last two years and, and sort of navigated them, I, I guess, you know, with grief. And, and we talk about it all the time on the podcast. Just wondering how you found the last couple of years. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. The, the immediately after Rachel died, uh, because we'd had, we'd had a couple of years of knowing that she was ill and we'd had about, about six or seven months of knowing that, you know, that it was incurable. Um, um, so the, the, she died in September and, um, it was a bit of a whirlwind actually The the, uh, because she'd been so public in sharing her story and there'd been a lot of, of interest in her story. Um, it was just an absolute whirlwind. You know, we were just, we were caught up in this, in this complete whirlwind of, of, of attention and coverage and, it uh, took a while to, you know, to really, you know, really settle down. Um, and I think for me, I, I was, I was, I was so determined to, I knew that I would get to a point where I was going to be okay again. And I was just desperate to get to that point as quickly as possible. And I think I've said a few times to people, you know, what, what the biggest kind of, uh, not regret, but, you know, lesson that I might pass on to people is, is it, you know, you need to give yourself time to grieve. And I, I don't necessarily think that I did because I was so determined to get, you know, get to that point where I was going to be okay again. And I think uh, consequently I had a few, well, f- you know, a fair few, you know, dips over the, over the, maybe like the, you know, six or seven months after Rachel died, it was, it was, you know, real up and down time because I was, I was trying to get back to some sort of normality. Uh, but at the same time, you know, going through the loss of someone that was so special and, um, and it's probably only been, I don't know, maybe like the last, maybe the last sort of seven or eight months that it's started to level out a little bit. Um, and, and yeah, but it's, I think with grief, anybody that comes, you know, comes on your pod and tells you, talks to you, you know, they'll tell you that it's completely individual and, and it's very, very, very different. And, and I remember someone sending me, you know, the diagram of the, uh, you know, the sort of horseshoe shape thing with all the different stages of grief. And, and, you know, I looked at it, I was like, I, I go through that in 20 minutes, you know, the anger, the denial, the, you know, everything. Um, and, and, and I think it's the other thing that I always say about grief is that it's nothing like I expected it to be. Um, I thought, you know, thinking about it before Rachel died, I thought I'd spend the six weeks after she died, you know, curled up in a ball, unable to function. But, you know, the reality isn't isn't like that. We had somebody over to our house the day after she died and, and we were actually laughing, you know, laughing at, you know, your wonderful memories and, and they were talking about her on, on Five Lives. So we listened to all that and, and, and it was just a very odd, odd feeling to, you know, to be laughing so soon after she died. But um, I think... You know, a lot of people talk about the, you know, the guilt uh, of sort of feeling okay again, and and I was always very determined to, you know, to make sure that I felt, and I sort of went with, you know, however it was I felt. I didn't kind of you know, tell myself I should be more upset than I was, or, or tell myself that I had to spend a certain amount of time, you know, sobbing in my room, or you know, I was very conscious to be, you know, to be okay with however it was I felt, and and, um. You know, so yeah, it's uh, it's been you know plenty of ups and downs, but I think uh, you know that 
you know, life does go on and, 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 and Rachel was very adamant that I should, you know, have that attitude and I should, you know, enjoy my life again. I'm only 40. I was only, I was only 38 when Rachel died and, and, you know, that's, you know, while it's old to some, I guess it's not, you know, it's not that old and I've got, you know, hopefully a good 40 odd years left in me to enjoy, enjoy life with Freddie and, and, you know, do justice to her because I think she would, you know, she would, you know, she'd go ballistic at me if she thought that I wasn't, you know, wasn't trying to enjoy my life. I completely understand everything you're saying in terms of how grief goes up and down. And like you say, in the matter of 20 minutes, you could be hmm. feeling a totally different way. And, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's that idea about, you know, I don't really like describing it as a process because yeah, the process to me is something that has a you know beginning and a middle and an end and it's and you know anybody who's going through grief will tell you it doesn't really end you know there isn't a point where you'll go oh all right I'm cured I'm done you know it kind of just carries on and on and on but you learn to you know, your life kind of builds around it and um and 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 it's something that that you know, I was talking to someone about counseling the other day and and they sort of had the attitude that counseling was going to you know, counselling was there to fix you. I mean, you know, it was there to kind of, uh, uh, you know, fix your grief. And it's, and it's not. You know, it's there to, it's there to give you the tools to, you know, to live with it and to, uh, to, well, embrace it. I guess. Um, yeah, but it's, it's sort of funny the perception of grief. You know, uh, from people that don't, you know, that are lucky enough to not, you know, not have been, you know, affected by it. It is only until you've been touched by it that you really. No, like anybody who's listening, you know, will, will completely understand. And and um, and I guess sort of moving on to yourself and Freddie, and you know how you think it's kind of made you the father that you are today, and how you've sort of navigated um, that role. Because now, essentially, you're you're, you're sort of two roles, aren't you? I guess. Um, how, how have you found that? You know, that's that's basically the biggest part of my life now is is being a dad to Freddie, and um, it was. You know, being a mum was, you know, the thing that Rachel was most proud of. I, you know, um, you know, plenty was written about Rachel after she died, and uh, people said that you know she'd be most proud of, and most known, you know, most known for her work with the podcast and her, her broadcasting. And you know, she would have always said it was being a mum. So the responsibility that that I felt, not just for me as a dad, but you know, to to be to be everything that Freddie needed, you know, after she died was massive and. He was only two when she died. He um, he was just a couple of weeks short of his, his third birthday, and um, yeah, so that's that's been you know that's been absolutely massive for me over the last uh, over the last couple of years, and uh, making sure that you know making sure that he's he's as unaffected as possible in a negative way, but that on the flip side, he he knows exactly who his mum was, and yeah, that was something that she was you know she was really keen on because. And she found it really hard because at the age of age of two, I mean, you know, who has memories from when they were two or three? You, know, you just don't. So she found it really difficult to think that he, you know, might not have his own memories of her. You know, they certainly have photographs, and we're lucky enough because of the work she did that he'll, you know, he'll be able to see her in videos and you know audio clips and what what have you from the podcast or from telly. But you know, he's not going to really have his own memories, and and that's kind of what drove her to write the book uh, uh, that she wrote. Uh, for Freddie before she died, um, uh, but yeah, the, the, uh, being a dad is is a is a massive honour. And, and I was chatting to 
I was chatting to um, uh, Simon Thomas, a guy called Simon Thomas, after Rachel died, and uh, uh, Simon used to be on Sky Sports, and uh, and his his wife Gemma died um, uh, shortly before Rachel, or about uh, about ten months or so before Rachel, and I was chatting to him, and he said, he "said You know what? It's hard, but it's a you know what an honour it is because uh, he has a, a young son himself as well. You know what an honour it is to be you know to be that little boy's." person you know to be the person that you know the uh, the, uh, the one person that he you know that he relies on and he's he's gonna look to and and you know what a challenge but what an honor as well and it's um you know freddie's a wonderful little boy he's he's got so many of his mum's traits and um and uh not all the good all the good ones um <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like stubborn like you wouldn't believe and, and i I'm, I'm sure that comes from rachel um uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's something that I'm really, I'm really proud of. I love, you know, I love it when people say you know, he had his, um, he had his parent, his little parents evening at the end of, end of preschool. And first thing his teacher said was, you know, what an adorable little boy you've got. And, and that just made me so, you know, so proud because, you know, it's not been an easy time for him. He's, he's, you know, he was only 14 months old when Rachel was diagnosed. So the best, you know, the biggest part of his life has been spent either, either with the tension and the strain of cancer or, or you know, or without his mum. And, and, and it's, um, you know, it's heartbreaking when you think about it like that, you know, he had 14 months of, of, you know, real genuine happiness with his mum and it's no time at all really. So to, uh, 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 to hear that, you know, to hear that people think he's, he's an adorable little boy and he's, and he's, and he's mature and he's confident and he's, he's good company now and, and, you know that kind of thing makes me so proud, and 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 it makes me it makes me proud of myself as well because I'm you know, I think I'm doing an okay job, and um, you know it's not been easy. Yeah, it must be hugely reassuring to to see a report like that, and just to sort of hear from somebody else as well. Because you know I know having kids, you know that that when they're out of your sight and they're they're in the care of others, and um, just to have that feedback is is lovely, isn't it? And um. So, you know, I mean, obviously, Rachel did some fantastic work, like you've kind of already mentioned sort of before she died about, you know, writing birthday um, cards and presents and also the memoirs dedicated to Freddie. And how important will these beautiful memories be for Freddie when remembering his mum, do you think? Uh, yeah, the book. I mean, the book is is a is a remarkable thing. You know, Rachel started it. Um, Rachel died in September and she start, only started you know, writing it really in about April, April, May kind of time. And it didn't, it didn't actually start as a book. It started as, as just her, you know, writing down things for Freddie because, I mean, we'd only been together, uh, you know, five or six years and, and, um, you know, so there's a whole, there's a whole, whole chunk of her life that I, you know, I know a bit about, but I don't know all the childhood stories and, and, um, and she wanted him to know everything about her in her words and so she started writing it down and um and then it was a conversation with Deborah and Lauren actually about uh, uh about what she was doing um on the podcast you know she said I'm writing all this stuff down and they said they said you know we'd read that turn it into a book and and she started kind of looking into it and you know before you knew it and it's interesting the first couple of chapters are about 2000 words long and you can tell the point where she was told actually it's got to be about 90,000 words all, all of a sudden the chapters go from like 2,000 words to about 6,000, 7,000 words. Uh, she she just went into overdrive, you know, writing it, 
and and you know th- uh, throughout kind of June, July, and August, it was just extraordinary to watch. It was just amazing. The dedication it became such a focus for her because it was going to be such a massive part of how how Freddie was going to know his mum. And she just and she just dedicated so much time to it. She wrote about sixty thousand words, I think it was, in in in, uh, in either July or August alone in one month, and and just and, and it's not, you know, you'd be forgiven if sixty thousand words when you're when you're you're dying with cancer, you'd be forgiven if they were a bit rushed or if they were a bit bitter, you're a bit angry, but they're not. They're just, you know, they're. It's a wonderful, wonderful read, full of you know, full of joy and full of full of happiness and full of positivity and 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 um yeah something that I, i'm super proud of her for and 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 you know um freddie's already started dipping into it a little bit he looks at some of the pictures and i read a few bits you know, bits and bobs out to him and and i think once he gets a bit older he's you know he's not quite five yet and he, you know she was kind of aiming it at him when he was in his teens you know it's that kind of that kind of thing really so yeah, I think as he gets older, that'll be an amazing thing. And and um, like I was saying before, you know, I mean, we're lucky uh, with the work that Rachel did. You know, there's so many clips of her, so many video clips and and tally clips and, and audio clips. You know, he'll he'll know exactly what she looked like, what she sounded like, and you know, we are lucky in that respect. And not everybody has, you know, has that opportunity to, you know, uh, preserve so much of someone. So. Um, yeah, those those kind of things are going to be massive for him, I, I think. And I'm 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 really conscious that it's never going to be something that we can't talk about. You know, she's always going to be a big part of our lives. You know, whatever whatever happens in the future, because that's that's the other thing she was kind of worried about. I remember her saying to me once, um, uh, we were talking about you know whether I would uh, uh, meet someone else after she died, and she said, you know, on the one hand, I really want you to, but on the other hand. You know, I find it quite difficult to think that, you know, we've been married for five years. You might go on and meet someone else and be married to them for 30 years. And I'd just be like a little footnote. And, you know, but the reality is, is, is obviously never, you know, never going to be like that. You know, she'll always be a massive part of our lives uh, for Freddie as well as for me. And, 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 you know, I've been trying as much as I can to make sure I tell him, you know, everything about his mum. And we talk about her all the time. It's, it's a real constant for us. That's the best way, isn't it? I mean, I, I've. It feels weird for myself in terms of a shift with my own grief and sort of making my dad relevant in in everything that I do with my children as well, and and actually just talking about him and and making him relevant in any sort of conversation with the kids. I think that's that's all we can do, really, isn't it? Just to continue their legacy and their memory. Yeah, that's it. I, I mean, the, the, you know, like you say, that is all we can do, and and and. Uh, 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 but I think, you know, I want to do it really, really, really well. I want to, I want him to really know who she was. I want him to, you know, be able to understand every little bit about her. And, and like, like I said, the book is a massive part of that because it's, you know, it's, it, in her own words, it's, it's. I mean, anybody who who knew Rachel and has read the book, yeah, you know, they always say you can actually hear her saying it. You know, it's written how she would be speaking, and it's just, you know, so much of her is is in that book, and. Um, yeah, it's going to be absolutely massive for him. I think he, I remember Tony Livesey on on Five Live, um, I'm saying to Rachel once on on air that you know his his mother passed away when he was 13, and and you know, he would have absolutely loved to have had something like that. You know, Freddie's a lucky boy, and and 
in some ways to to be able to have that because you know not everybody had the chance to to write a book or or, or create you know so many kind of incredible things for you know for their boys so um yeah that's going to be important for him I think yeah and then we obviously talked about the podcast um you me and the big c and you know after Rachel died and you've sort of joined the team now I was just wondering how that felt joining the team and big becoming part of that it was something that I really wanted to do uh but I I didn't want to kind of you know tell them that's what I wanted to do uh because it's not you know as much as it was it was Rachel's it was it was it was Deborah and Lauren's as well and and my and Mike and Al our two producers it was you know it's their it was their baby and and after Rachel died I knew I knew there'd be a bit of interest in in you know my story and 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 I wanted to I always have a kind of PR hat on when it comes to the podcast and I wanted to uh, uh, to be uh, uh, the first time that I spoke to be on the podcast so I spoke to the girls I think it was in November after Rachel died and and um and I loved it I absolutely loved it you know it felt um totally natural it felt you know it felt like I was I was you know carrying on something that was so important to Rachel and then uh like I say I wanted to you know I quite fancied the idea of 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 joining in a bit more permanently and um and uh, the girls tried one on their own and it was it was fine but I think you know what Rachel did she kind of anchored it a little bit and and she let the girls you know bring out their own personality without having to think about timings or, or where the conversation was going or you know using her sort of journalistic uh, skills so I knew there was you know I knew there was it may be a role f- uh, for me there but like I say I didn't want to I didn't want to kind of jump in and say you know this is what uh, you know, this is what has to happen so uh, so after I've been on uh, this one in November, I I sat down with with the then controller of Five Live, and he just said, you know, just said, you fancy doing it a bit more permanently because I, I thought it sounded great, the uh, chemistry was good, and um, yeah, so I joined joined in, and 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 it feels amazing actually, to be honest. It's the thing that other than other than being a dad and and family and Freddie and things, it's it's the thing that I enjoyed I enjoyed doing most in life, and I think. And I think that's because it's you know something that was so important to Rachel. That podcast uh, uh, meant the world to her, and she got you know so much back from the listeners, and and hopefully gave so much to the listeners as well. That to be able to carry that on is is a massive honour. And and, um, and on top of that, you know, I I get a load of support uh, from it as well. Uh, people, you know, people messaging and 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 so on. That it's you know it gives me a lot of support. And I always, I always kind of say it's like my therapy chatting to the girls for an hour or two every week. You know, it's it's um, you know, they kind of get they get what's happened. They get you know, they get me. They get you know, they understand Rachel. They understand everything about um what we're trying to do. And, and it's kind of like it's kind of like my therapy. So it's something that I'm you know really passionate about, and and you know hopefully carry on for a good while yet. Yeah, I completely understand in terms of the therapy, and it's quite cathartic, isn't it? Sort of, I find it on by speaking to other people who have experienced the same thing, and how, you know, like yourself, going on there and just sharing how you're feeling that week with with an audience that actually give back to you as well, and to other people is is really powerful, isn't it? Oh, it, massively! It, our audience is is incredible for you, me and the Big C. We always, you know, I know there are podcasts out there, uh, podcasts the BBC does that have more listeners and, and and a bigger reach and stuff but i doubt i doubt very much that there are that many with a more engaged audience who who 
you know who need it every week and who you know contribute so much uh, to it and 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 it's and it's a really you know it's a real honor to be able to do it and and you know like we had a podcast uh, uh, last week with a, a lady called Leanne uh, called, uh, from a charity called Fletcher's Fund, and they've been they do amazing work with uh, with sick uh, sick children, but they have been you know really hit badly by COVID, and uh, to be able to get her on and tell her story and, and the story of the charity and and then, and then the reaction that that's you know that's prompted from the listeners and you know donations to her charity have gone up you know massively, but they got a massive uh, donation from one individual and. It makes me so happy to be able to, you know, to use our podcast, you know, to do, you know, do so much good work. And I know, you know, Rachel will be so proud of that because it you know, meant so much to her. And, and it's, uh, yeah, something that I'm really proud of. Yeah, it's an incredible podcast. Um, okay, we're now moving on to some questions from the children at Children's Bereavement Charity, Winston's Wish. And the first one is, how do you make yourself feel happy when you're feeling sad? I think... Um, I'm always very aware uh, when I'm feeling sad that it probably won't last. Um, so I think I, I I always have it in my mind that it's only going to be a you know a short term thing, and and I think you know I do let myself feel sad if I am feeling sad. I don't. My first reaction isn't to, isn't to try and stop myself crying or or take myself away. It's important that you do you know you do you do let yourself feel sad and you, and you do let yourself uh, have a little cry every so often. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm a big distraction kind of person. So I, I'm, I'm really into sport. I, I use golf as a big thing for me. When I'm feeling, you know, not so good, I find golf a massive distraction. Um, so, um, I think yeah, that that's the key thing. Uh, you know, letting yourself feel sad when you do feel sad because there's nothing, nothing wrong with it. You know, I would say to people that. When you've lost someone special, you should, you know, you should feel sad. It's almost, almost feels better to feel, you know, to grieve uh, uh, properly because you know, it means they were special. It means you missed them. And uh, but then, yeah, we all need a bit of distraction. So I'm yeah, big into sport and and football and golf and that kind of thing. So I you try and take myself away from, away from it and and yeah, do something active. I guess yeah. Yeah, sport's an incredible thing for taking your mind off anything. Um, okay, the next one is, what piece of music reminds you of Rachel? Oh, goodness. Uh, anything from the Killers. Rachel was a massive, massive, massive Killers fan. And uh, we saw them quite a few times uh, while she was alive. And, and and there's one particular song that was written by uh, the lead singer uh, when, his, when his mother was unwell with uh, brain cancer. And it's called Dustland Fairy Tale. And, um, and and we had it at Rachel's funeral, and um, and then we saw the Killers last year, and and I knew it was in Cardiff, actually, Rachel's home city, and and I and I just I just had the idea that I would love to get you know a song dedicated to her, and, and I tweeted something, and it got kind of picked up, and then a few you know a few friends with a, a much bigger following than I have, I tweeted it, and anyway, we came to the night in Cardiff, and 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 they dedicated that song to her, and. Um, and it was it was just the most extraordinary moment, and yeah, so that that bit of music will always will always will always remind me of her. But the, and there's a, another one, um, uh, Barry Manilow, "Can't Smile Without You." That was our that was our first dance song at our wedding, and um, yeah, so I'd say those two, yeah, those two are uh, definitely big for me. 
Oh, incredible. Okay, the next one is, what do you do to remember Rachel on important days like her birthday? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, I, the, the, the funny thing with anniversaries and, and, and important days like that, because in one sense, people always kind of say, oh, it's going to be hard, isn't it? And and, and they are, but you know, I miss Rachel every single day. And, and, and you know, I don't miss her uh, 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 um, anymore because of you know, the day it is. And, and um, so I sort of find those those days as, as a really good excuse to celebrate her rather than, you know, feel sad about her. So I'm trying to think what we did. And we certainly drank a lot of champagne on each of her birthdays since because that was something that she was very keen on um uh, so we've certainly done that uh, you know i'll tell you what actually we went out for dinner on her birthday this year we went out for uh, dinner and nuts with some with some close friends and uh, my uh, my sister and brother-in-law and we had loads of loads of bubbles uh, loads of good food and we just you know we just talked about rachel and we remembered her and and uh, right after she died about a week after she died we had our our wedding anniversary and then we had freddie's birthday we had sort of various anniversaries came up very quickly and then Christmas obviously as well. And I understand why they are difficult for some people, but I really try and look at them as a chance to, you know, a chance to celebrate her and, you know, raise a glass to her and, and, and like think about all the, you know, the wonderful, in wonderful times on those, on those days that we had, because she was a big one for celebrating birthdays. You know, she was, you know, she liked, you know, liked doing fun things. So yeah, we try and do as many fun things as possible as a family. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Okay, the next one is, what three things are you most thankful for at the moment? Oh, crikey, I'm thankful for so many things. Um, Freddie, you know, without a doubt, is is number one. You know, he's the one that when I'm, you know, when I'm not feeling so good, he's the one that gets me up in the morning at, at, at stupid o'clock and, and makes me play with his toy soldiers even when you're not feeling so good. So that's, you know, he's he's the number one. My family as well, you know, my wider family are are, are just are just the most wonderful people and and they've you know i know that all of our families you know we always say they're you know they're with us you know through thick and thin but my family really you know really have been incredible they've they've just done so much for me so it's a freddie my wider family and also also amy who who is the girl that i've been kind of with for a few months now and and you know she's been absolutely wonderful so you know for freddie and for me and and um you know she's been incredible so you know, yeah, that's what I'd say. Those are the th- three things I'd say. And if I'm allowed a fourth, yeah, Liverpool won the title the other week. So <laughs> I'm a big Liverpool supporter. So, you know, so that's that's what I'd tag on as number four. I would do that as well, I think. Waiting <laughs> <laughs> 30 years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, they're amazing three things, all four things. Yeah. Um, okay, just to finish, um, how do you think you would like to continue Rachel's legacy with freddie in the future i get a lot of messages from guys who really struggle uh to find a forum or a place to talk about either either the fact that they've you know, their other half is is unwell or, or or after they've died you know their grief and how they're feeling so i'm i'm really hoping at some stage in the future to be able to do you know, something a bit more formal in that area i, I really you know the podcast is a massive part of of Rachel's legacy and uh, but as far as Freddie goes I just want to be you know the best way that I can make Rachel proud I guess is to you know make sure that he's exactly the person that she would have wanted him to be and, and you know that's really important to me to 
you know, there are some things that she you might have wanted that I'm going to have to you know, make my own decisions about. And, and uh, but yeah, but I know I know what she wanted for him, and and, and yeah, that's a big uh, big part of my life going forward is to uh, make sure that he's everything that she you know she would have wanted, and, uh, and everything that the last thing that I want. I know that. You know, it's going to be difficult for him when he's, you know, when he reaches an age where he wants to know a bit more. You know, when he's six or seven or eight, you know, he might have a lot more questions. And yeah, I know it's going to be difficult for him when he, you know, he sees other mums at the playground picking, uh, uh, picking their children up, and you know, he doesn't have that. And you know, so I want to be the best, uh, best dad I can, and and support him as much as I can. And you know, like I said, that's you know, that's a massive part of my my job going forward in every bit of my life. I think. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And Steve, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on the podcast, speaking with me, sharing your story, and being so inspiring for so many people, and also the work that you do on the podcast. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.